0: welcome language learners i'm your host alexandria of the insecurities about language podcast where i will explore all types of language journeys from individuals teachers families teaching children and really anyone who wants to have a conversation about language what it means to them and how it relates to their life also i will tackle the death of languages within families now let's begin hey naya welcome to insecurities about Language. So let's get started. So tell the people your name, where you were born, where you grew up, and then also give us a bit of information about your family's background and then also their first languages, if any. Okay.
1: So, hi, my name is Naya. I was born and raised here in Philadelphia and the surrounding suburbs. My family are all from America, so their first language was English, except I do have a little brother who was adopted by a German family. So he lives there. So his first language and his family's first language is German.
0: Your language background as it relates to school, college, um, maybe your environment, or if a language was spoken at home besides English?
1: For me, my mom
0: had me right after high school.
1: So she had some uh, high school Spanish under her belt while I was a baby. So she would use Spanish with me a lot when I was a baby up until I was about six. And she was also working at a daycare at the time where they were teaching the babies their American Sign Language. So she used what she learned from there and brought it home to me as well. So basically as a baby, I had three languages to start with. And then it kind of downgraded into mostly English, but we kind of kept a couple of words and phrases around from the other two languages just because they just like flowed into our conversation. So, you know, I just remember like being in kindergarten and getting ready for school and she'll say like, oh, la or, you know, signing to each other from across the room with like little words about foods and things like that. So I had that as a background and I kind of just kept those with me. And I think that's why they're my favorite languages right now still. And of course, once I found out about my brother and started communicating with him and his family, I got interested in German and was exposed to it a little more. And then after that, I started learning French in high school, although I won't count the first couple of years because I kind of neglected it and was really just pouting about the fact that I wasn't learning Spanish. So so yeah, so I learned French in high school and German from my German family and then Spanish and American Sign Language. And now I've started picking up Chinese.
0: So you know four, five languages or you've learned five languages
1: I consider myself knowing five languages so English Spanish French ASL and German and then I have just now picked up Mandarin but I also have dabbled in a ton of other languages over the years as well so but my main
0: five yeah so speak about your language journey when it started where you at with all the languages, and then what are your plans with those languages, and then what level are you at you know between a one and c two mm-hmm.
1: absolutely, so, as I mentioned, when I first got put into French class, I was in eighth grade, and I really did not like the fact that I was in French class. I wanted to be in Spanish and I didn't want to do anything, but the summer after eighth grade, I went to visit my brother and his family in Germany for the first time and Since they knew that I was learning French, they took me to France for a day. And I realized that I had learned more than I thought I did, despite all of my protest. And that's actually where I realized that I was really interested in learning German and in learning French. And I realized that, you know what, I think this language thing is my thing. Like, I think I like it. You know, I've always known I like Spanish and ASL, but now I like these ones. Maybe I like them all. So I spent about Two or three years learning all about learning languages like trying every single method there was that the internet could offer learning about the different levels learning about different things to pay attention to what's important things like that what every language has in common what makes them different and just really delving into the background knowledge of it all and then Through that, I started to self-teach myself all of my languages because I gave up on the school system as far as learning French. So yeah, I started self-teaching using different websites and free PDFs that I could find because I was a high schooler and my mom was not paying for a bunch of language supplies, really. So after that, I continued to dabble. So that's when I did my dabbling in like Japanese and Korean and Latin and Italian and Portuguese, Russian and Arabic. and. Every Yeah, I was all over the place and just really getting used to how languages are and just wanting to know more about them. And when I came into college, I decided to major in linguistics because I love languages. And with that, I had a lot of free electives. So I used them to go through some of the language classes for German, Spanish, French, and ASL. Just because I wanted to see... It wasn't because I wanted to learn the language from them, because by then I realized that my level was too high for the classes that I was taking, but I was really interested in how people were learning from the beginning and like what are the tactics that different teachers are using and kind of just comparing all of the teachers and their methods and their books and everything, which has been really interesting. And I'm a senior this year, so since I'm finishing early, I decided to go ahead and try Mandarin I'll, so I took a Mandarin class, and once again, I could have been learning Mandarin on my own, but I really was interested in how a teacher would teach someone Mandarin because we have this new writing system, and I thought it would be so interesting. Um, so yeah, and as far as my level goes with the languages, I would say that ASL is definitely like my heart and soul. I feel most confident with ASL, so I am Basically, a C1 in ASL. The other languages are a little mixed just because I haven't been super consistent with them. So, for Spanish and French, both of them, I consider myself right on the line between B2 and C1 because of the fact that if I like use French and Spanish for a while right now, like if I started right now and for the next month or so was like really using it more often. I would feel completely comfortable and understand everything perfectly fine. But since I don't have that all the time, I don't. I hesitate to give myself that C1 right away. And for German, I am on the bridge between... Actually, I'm B1. Every once in a while, I feel a little A2. But yeah, I am B1 in German. I've done my dues with that too. <laughs> in Chinese, I just started. So I'm... From my class and from what I've actually recently researched about their levels of the HSK and things, I would apparently be somewhere between HSK-1 and HSK-2. So
0: I'm not familiar with the HSK. Mm-hmm. Is that like equivalent to like A1, A2? Uh, if you can just kind of explain a bit about that if
1: you Yeah, can. so for the HSK levels, there are sort of equivalent, like you could almost equivocate them with the CEFR levels, but not quite just because it's on a different scale. So when I was doing my research, you know, you start at HSK zero, then you go up to one, two, all the way up to six and beyond. So you would think that it could level up perfectly. Um, So for the HSK one and the HSK two, which what makes them very different is that In these two levels, you don't start to focus on grammar a lot yet. And you also don't have to know the characters yet. So it's really just about your speaking ability. And, you know, if you are reading, you're probably using pinyin. And the difference between the two of them is just your comfortability with those basics. So it's still just the basics. It's just having a different level of comfortability with them.
0: What is the hardest part about learning a new language?
1: That's really interesting. That's a good question, because that's why I picked up Chinese, because I wanted to know that answer, you know, and I feel like for me, it's the initial starting point as far as speaking. So like when I went into learning like Spanish and German and things like that, I already had background knowledge to base it off of. So I didn't feel like I was ever a complete beginner with them. So I wanted to learn Mandarin so that I could feel what it was like to know pretty much nothing and not have much background to go off of and just go from there. And I will say, like, when it came to speaking, I felt weird because now I'm thinking like, OK, are my tones correct? Is this the way you're supposed to pronounce these letters? Is it supposed to be like this? How do I keep my tones to like go in a sentence and things like that? So it made me a lot nervous. A lot more nervous to start speaking than I was when I was learning French and when I was learning Spanish and German and things like that.
0: So, you said you took other classes because of the availability for them. So, what is your study/slash learning method? And then, what did you learn differently when you took those classes?
1: Yeah. So, my methods changed a lot, like I said, because I spent those two or three years. Kind of learning about learning. So I guess a bunch of my foundation came from every different method possible. Like so going from okay, trying this whole learn a bunch of vocabulary thing, realizing that's not ideal, doesn't really work out that well ever. Um, then going through and figuring out, okay, well, here's a method where you start by only learning the things that are around you and then you move on from there and then you do this. Um, And then learning about, you know, just figuring out how to build sentences and then continuing to build them and making them bigger and learning how to create larger sentences from there. And I guess for me, my favorite method for me, which is why I prefer self-studying over learning in classes, is that learn what you're interested in. Learn what's relevant to you. Because I'll never forget, I was in a French class and we were learning, you know, foods. And one of our vocab words was eggplant. And at this point in my life, I've never eaten an eggplant. I didn't plan on eating an eggplant. And I was trying to figure out why I had to learn the word eggplant when there were so many foods that I want to eat that I don't know how to say. And funnily enough, I never forgot the word eggplant, though, in French. Um. So yeah, so I think that my method that worked the best for me was learning what was relevant to me. When I delved deep into ASL, which was my favorite language to learn, and I learned it really quickly, it was basically the night before, I would think about the next day that was coming up, and I would think about what kind of conversations I would come across, what kind of things would I see, what kind of situations would I be in? Do I know how to navigate those in ASL? If not, let me look up some words so I can figure out if I would know how to, if needed to. And that boosted my ASL level really quickly, like within a few months. And I always recommend people to do that. Kind of just think about how your day-to-day life goes, because nine times out of 10, if you're learning another language, your day-to-day life should be able to be communicated in that language. Rather than learning all of these abstract concepts of things that you don't use in your regular language. So, yeah. And in schools, I kind of feel like the pacing is weird. It's not always consistent, it doesn't work for everyone. And, but I did find that like some teachers, they have like really cool methods that work really well and are really interesting. So, anything from playing a game in class, I remember. Um, I took the beginner Spanish class and we were working on, I think it was like past tense conjugations or something. And she had a ball and she would pass the ball to you and she'll give you a word and a random like uh, a subject pronoun. And you were to come up with the conjugation and you pass it to the next person and you go from there. Um, That teacher, she also did things like tongue twisters, which I thought were really great because it's getting you used to how the language sounds and making it fun because, you know, in our first language, tongue twisters are hard. So you have this thing where it's like everyone's on the same playing field. None of us can really get it down, but you're trying and you're getting there. And she made sure it was with like sounds that were similar or making sure you knew like when to pronounce the G in front of what letters and when not to. So we had a tongue twister with that. So it's a lot easier to like think about that when you're looking at this tongue twister where it's g's everywhere and you're figuring out when am I supposed to make it a huh and when I'm is it supposed to be a guh
0: so yeah it was really great so with learning a new language has it helped you with your native language
1: yes I 100% think that it has helped me with English especially once I started working with natives that were learning English it made me really start to look at English differently. And I laugh because I use the app Tandem and I'm always talking with language partners and they're always asking me these questions. And for the most part, you know, with my linguistics background, I'm like, okay, I've got this, I can handle this. And every once in a while, I'm like, okay, is this true? So I have to call my mom and I'm like, all right, here's the scenario. We're doing this could you say this? Or like, why do you think we do this? And then sometimes it's really basic, like the word series, like TV series. Someone had asked me, you know, if it's ever just Siri, like without the S at the end. And I was like, I never thought about that, but is it? And I'm like asking my mom, she's like, no, it's not. Why would it ever be Siri? (laughs) But like the other day, someone had asked me about um, you know, in English, sometimes we say like to have dinner instead of to eat dinner and or to drink something, we'll say to have instead. And she couldn't understand why we would use have or like, when do we use it? So once again, I call my mom, I'm like, hey, I think these are pretty interchangeable, right? Like, I, I feel like, you know, I'm having coffee, I'm drinking coffee, I'm having a meal, I'm eating, you know, I feel like it's pretty interchangeable so it's me and her and we're like bouncing ideas back and forth coming up with scenarios and what we found out was that you know you have a meal but then you can eat like a specific food and then there's also like a nuance with it being like more formal to say to have over to eat so yeah I never thought about that never would have thought about that like ever it never would have crossed my mind to think about the fact that we say that or that we do that. So, yeah, it's really interesting.
0: So what tools do you use for your studying to continue in your language learning?
1: So I fell in love with the app Busuu. I think it has a great like platform as far as how it lays out its lessons and how it makes sure you're practicing and things like that. And I recently decided to go back to Duolingo because I was against Duolingo for a very long time. And then I went back to it just because it's nice to have something to refresh, pretty much. I use it to refresh and kind of just have something where it's like, if I didn't do any studying today at all, at least I did Duolingo, you know, it's better than zero. But I also learned that, you know, if you use any app correctly, it will be useful. So I spoke earlier about how part of language learning, you can practice writing sentences and get those sentences down, work on making bigger sentences. And Duolingo offers you countless sentences with like every lesson that you do. So what I had started doing, I think during the pandemic is that I would take notes from Duolingo and Busuu. I would take notes as if I was taking a class write down these like different uh, sentences. They both have like tips sections where they offer you like quick information about the language or about this concept that you're learning and things like that. So I would take notes from that and things like that. And then I would use those sentences that we had um, from either Busuu or from Duolingo and start creating my own sentences and making different sentences following that structure or figuring out how to combine these sentences and make them into something bigger. And I found that to be really useful, and that's what I've been using recently. As well as, honestly, the best thing that anyone can do if you are on a budget in language learning is if you look up, you know, your level plus the language .pdf for free. There are free textbooks available, free grammar uh, workbooks, and everything else that you can think of available online, just waiting for you to download them and. It worked out for me. I think I like finding them and like trying different things out. I'm very inconsistent, though, so that's one thing I will say about my language journey. I flip around a lot, and I like to try new things and do different things. I get bored easily um, with like one topic or one thing, so I try different things. And mostly, like I said, I I like to think about what's relevant to me and figure out how I can learn how to do those things.
0: Uh, so talk about your language as it relates to the workplace, your personal life, travel.
1: Yeah, so my is yeah, it's really interesting. So in college, my first year in college was actually really fun because I had three roommates. And one of my roommates was Ecuadorian, so she spoke Spanish and English. My other roommate was from Australia, but her family's Chinese, but she learned French in high school as well. So she spoke French and Chinese and English and was learning Russian. And then the other roommate knew Chinese and Taiwanese. So we kind of just had this thing where we would joke around where my one roommate would speak Spanish to me, I'd translate it to French to her, and then she would translate it to Chinese to the other roommate. And that was just like our thing that we would do in public because we thought it was funny. And it was really interesting. being around them because, you know, we all had these different languages that were semi in common and things like that. And were able to practice and ask each other questions, which was really fun. And I kind of surround myself by a lot of bilinguals and polyglots just because my family's not. And I also have my German family, which has been super helpful with my language journey just because they also speak German and English and Spanish and French. So we've always been able to bounce ideas back and forth and ask each other questions and practice with each other. So it's been really fun. And then, as I said, I'm a linguistics major. So languages are always so it's important to know languages in linguistics. So not every linguistics major knows another language. Most of them do not. But it's so much more convenient for me when we're learning about a concept and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's like in this language when we do this, got you. Or when we're learning about um, phonetics and phonology and we're talking about these sounds, like you mentioned the nasals in Portuguese, whereas someone that doesn't know another language has never thought of these nasal sounds. And here I am going, okay, so in French, I know they have like the nasals and they do this and I know Portuguese has nasals. All right, cool. Oh, that's how you pronounce them. Okay, now I can actually, you know, pronounce my French better and things like that. And I'm learning all of these different tactics and, you know, so I'm a, I'm a senior now and then I'm going to take a gap year and go to law school. So I'm hoping I'm not I'm not aiming for like international law or anything, but I'm hoping that if anything I could be able to take in clients that are from different backgrounds and like speak different languages. Especially with ASL, just because I know the deaf community is at a disadvantage when it comes to finding interpreters, especially for important events and court dates and things like that. So it'd be really fun or really interesting for me to be able to use my languages and to be able to help and connect more people. And part of why I am trying to improve my French was because I had the goal to move to Montreal after. And part of that would be to go to law school in Montreal, which is a bilingual law school. So you would have to be able to take your classes in French and English. So we'll see. I don't know how that's going to work out, but you know, if they let me in the country, I'll be there. <laughs> um, and yeah, so and then as far as traveling, I've traveled to see my brother. So I've been to Germany and France a few times, and Austria. So being able to use the languages there. Um, has been really helpful as well as when I went to the Dominican public with my Dominican Republic with my family, we I was the only one that was comfortable in Spanish, whereas my mom's better at reading it. Um, I was able to translate when needed and you know be able to speak and joke around with the staff there and things like that. So it's been really fun to be able to balance using different languages in different environments.
0: How has your language helped you with networking, job, and communities, especially in the Deaf community?
1: As far as networking and
0: job-related things, I would
1: feel like it's been a great additive to my resume. Um, Every time I apply for a job or something and someone looks at my resume, the first thing they ask is, wait, so you speak these languages? Are you comfortable with them? And things like that. This past summer, I was able to work with mentoring high schoolers. the summer and getting them ready for college and getting them ready for life in general and everything. And during the interview process, I was asked about my French skills and it was pointed out to me that they had, you know, they were still also like applying the students into the program too. And it's a really selective program. But they said they had, I think, three students that came from French backgrounds that were previously not fully being considered because they didn't think they had the resources to support second language students that were, you know, French speakers and not Spanish speakers. And when they realized that I would be able to help and step in with the French speaking, um, I felt really great about the fact that they were still able to be considered for the program as since before then, they were just not going to be considered. I thought that was really strange. So that was really useful. And then I worked with a catering company. And we had um, one of the employees didn't speak any English. And the entire time, like the whole staff just had him like typing into the Google Translate over and over again. And when I realized he spoke Spanish, I was like, I got this guys, don't worry. Like he doesn't have to sit here and like type on his phone that like, he can't do his job if he's typing on his phone the whole time and you guys can't do anything either. Cause like, this is not like a disaster. And it was like, people like weren't really talking to him and things like that. So it's like, I like reached out and like started to speak to him in Spanish and it was, worked out pretty fine. And they ended up using me to kind of translate back and forth a little bit. So that's been really useful. As far as the deaf community, I really want to work more with the deaf community. So far I've worked through my school. Um, I ended up minoring in ASL and deaf studies So this past semester for my final class for the minor, we had to be partnered with the deaf community. So I worked with a school for the deaf and I was able to kind of help out with their department and help with their curriculum making and things like that. And was working like one-on-one with one of the teachers there, which was really fun and really exciting. And she actually invited me to be able to come back and volunteer more even like outside of class So I'm really excited to do that. And I'm hoping that in the future, I'd be able to network more with all of the communities that I've been researching and learning about.
0: So with all these languages, what keeps you motivated to continue the learning process and to go further and probably pick up even more languages?
1: I would say my biggest motivation is my goals. My goals to be able to have conversations and to be able to connect with more people and another big motivation is just seeing how far i've come i think whenever i am talking to other people and they're working on their language journey and they're hitting this like wall where you know they feel like they're not improving and things like that i always tell people that if you look back to where you were you'll see where your improvement is. It doesn't feel like you're improving like right now. But when you listen back and you think like, okay, let me listen back to how it was when I first started learning. You're like, oh, wait, no, back then I didn't know anything. Now I know something. So obviously something I'm doing is working. So that's a big motivation for me. I have like all of my old writing samples and like videos of myself speaking that are super embarrassing and make me cringe especially because you see the like evolution of my pronunciation skills especially in French um and just seeing like how big of a difference there is from one year ago two years ago and going okay well I'm not that bad anymore you know um so I think that's a big motivation is seeing my own progress and looking forward to my goals so I do Like I said, I get bored easily. And this is something that I do with everything in my life, like even with schoolwork, where if I feel like I'm hitting a wall, I will take a break because sometimes you do need a break and I'll take that break and then I get back up and it's like, all right, now we start again. You know, we we took our nap. It's good. And I think that's what helps me to keep going is that knowing that, knowing myself and pacing myself and knowing that, you know, all right, I've been working at this. Now I need a break. Let me go back into it, which is why I feel like with a school environment, it's not always so easy to do that because you're following their curriculum and you're moving at their pace. And, you know, so if you had a lesson where it's like I didn't quite get that, but oh, wait, now the next lesson's starting, you don't have that time to go back
0: and refine everything If you don't mind, it might be too personal, but if you could speak about your brother and the German family. Oh, yeah, sure.
1: So I think I mentioned in the beginning, my mom had
0: me right after
1: high school, I think like two weeks after her graduation. And a year and a half later, she had my brother. So what happened was, you know, she was young and going to be doing the whole single mom thing for a bit. So she actually didn't tell her family that she was pregnant again and she put the baby up for adoption from the second he was born and she chose the German family because she knew that our family does not travel and was definitely never going to travel to Europe so no one would ever find out and we stayed in touch at first through the adoption agency you know just to like stay in touch and like get to know um the family and things like that and then the the adoption agency actually vanished um so we lost contact for a while until like my german family found uh like an old letter that had the address on it or something and they sent a letter like hoping and it got through so then we started uh messaging again so for the beginning of my life i actually just thought i had a pen pal in germany i had no idea he was my brother i thought i had a pen pal thought it was cool we had a little buddy send each other christmas and birthday gifts every year Send letters all the time. It was great. And I found out when I was seven that he was my brother. And then the following year is when they came to visit for the first time. So then from there, the relationship really flourished and became really great because that's when I started visiting them and they would visit here. And at this point, I consider like I like his parents are my German parents. So if I go there, you know, it's just family. Like those are my parents too that's my mom, that's my dad, you know, his cousins, those are my cousins, my cousins are his cousins, it's all the same. So it's really great. Um, and I remember the last time I was in Germany, uh, my German dad actually said to me, he was like, you know, a lot of people think that with adoptions, it's tearing a family apart. But instead for us, we brought the families together and we just have one big family now. And that's something that really resonated with me.
0: So you spoke about that. So do you think that part of your life has shaped your language environment? Most definitely. I think,
1: like I mentioned, when I first had started learning French, I was also gearing up for this big Germany trip. And, you know, they sent me a book to, like, learn German. And I was like, I don't know this language. I'm never going to know this language. I don't get it. I'll stick to Spanish. I don't know any, like, I can't learn German. What are these sounds? I don't know these words, you got grammar going on here. I was totally against it. But I went anyways, I went to Germany. And, you know, at first, they realized that I was not in the mood to like learn German, it just wasn't going to happen. So they spoke to me in English. And you know, I was there for about a month. So after like week one, I started hearing German more, and I got kind of interested in it. So then we went to a museum, and I would be like, hey, can you like I want to hear you read this. Like, I want to hear you read this in German and I want to like follow along with the words. And we did that the whole time we were at museums and things and visiting. And then, you know, I learned like key phrases to say to um, my German grandmothers because they don't speak English. So it was like, all right, now I know these like little bits and pieces. And, you know, when we go to the market, I have to like, at least know how to say like, please. And thank you. And after, like halfway through week two, I was like, you know what, I think I want to learn. I want to learn this language. So I had them kind of like helping me through some new vocabulary and putting like small sentences together and like practicing with that. I remember we we would play games like Monopoly. And um, there's a game called like Rummy Cub that we would play. And I learned how to play them in German. So how to say things like, okay, it's your turn or all right, I'm finished or is it my turn, you know, these kind of things and like getting, getting the numbers and the colors and things like that really down because uh, Rummy Cub is about numbers and colors. So like having that down and understanding that and knowing how to say I won or, you know, we even started like trash talking each other in German. So it like created this fun environment. And like also just being like with the family is like where I realized like this is kind of fun. I think I like this. And like I said, we went to France that summer for a day and they were like, Hey, you should practice your French French. You should ask the lady at the supermarket where we can find this and I was like, Okay, <laughs> we'll see. And like I did that and she understood me and I was like, Oh wow, wait, I spoke French. So I think that was like really helpful and we were able to I was able to build on from that. When I came home, I hit the ground running with learning German and
0: delving deep into French. So yeah. So this is a podcast about insecurities. So what are your insecurities that you have with learning all of the languages?
1: I think that I feel like with each language, there are like the smallest things that trip me up, like no matter how long I've been learning the language, it's like there's just these things that I just don't get or like, not that I don't get, I get them. And that's what stresses me out is that I get them. I understand them fully. It just doesn't happen (laughs) so for instance for ASL my weakest point ever is finger spelling like understanding when other people are spelling because they spell it really fast I can't spell in English so to see you like spell it I'm like I saw some letters I don't know what they said I'm gonna guess based on the context um that's all I've got for you so yeah, so like whenever I'm like in an ASL conversation and like we're signing, life is great, then someone fingerspells spells and I'm just like, I totally blanked out. I, did, I forgot to pay attention. I don't know where you started. Um, and then, you know, with German, I think the cases would be my insecurity there. It's just like, there's so much to think about and so much to consider. And then you have to know when the adjectives have to change and things like that. And you know theoretically i understand it completely but when i'm trying to speak or write something i'm like you know what i'm going to just guess and we're going to hope for the best i hope you understand what i'm trying to say um so yeah and then that happens <laughs> and i think you know every language has its own nuances i am for chinese i am a very beginner so everything is an insecurity at this point I feel confident in nothing at all, but I passed the class. We did pretty good. Uh, And I feel like that's pretty much most of it. I think as a whole, my listening comprehension is my biggest insecurity. And I think it's because I know that I'm not good at it. So I like tune it out when I hear it. Like I, I actively do not pay attention when I am spoken to because I like, my brain is like, I don't know. I'm bad at listening comprehension.
0: It's not going to work. And it just shuts off. What do you do to get better at that, at the listening comprehension?
1: A lot of what I've been doing is listening to music because, you know, music, it's hard to ignore music. You know, if you, especially if you listen to the same song enough times, you're going to pick it up. Like I can sing along to songs in Spanish, French, and German like with ease and, you know, finding movies and TV shows that I like is really helpful. Actually one of my French shows just dropped the new season on Netflix and I'm really excited to watch it. Um but you know just practicing in environments that I like. So for me podcasts don't work. I'm not good at listening to them because like I said, I will zone completely out. I don't know what I'm supposed to pay attention to when I listen to a podcast. I need visuals or something. Um so, yeah. And then I guess just practicing a lot and forcing myself to like have more conversations with people where if I'm having a one on one, I understand pretty much everything because it's directed to me. But with like podcasts and things like that, where it's like it's directed to this other person that's there and they're talking and I I zone out because I'm like, oh, this is like their conversation. Why am I listening to their conversation? It's not mine, you know? They're not expecting me to respond, but I did that in English. So, (laughs) so yeah, actually like my new year's resolution of some sort is to step out of my comfort zone and to increase my language comprehension and to stop making myself zone out, you know, just be more focused
0: so one of my like fun questions so what are your favorite words sayings or phrases that you like in your languages that you're learning and why and if you don't mind saying it in english and in those languages yeah
1: too. um i think right off the bat i'm going to say that my favorite german word is verugd, which is like crazy and there's no like there's not a real meaning behind that just because um, I think the second time my brother came to like stay with us for a bit and we were like practicing German and stuff like our going joke was that we would say my mom is frukt like we would say like oh du bist frucht, like <laughs> you know and that's just like what we would do and she would be like are you calling me a fruit what <laughs> so yeah I think that's my favorite word just because of that you know no other reason besides the fact that we were calling her frucht a lot and it was funny Um, as far as my other languages, I don't know, it's kind of um, difficult to kind of think of like, what's my favorite word or phrase in like different languages, you know, I feel like I used to have like a favorite word in Spanish, but I like, totally forgot it. But I will say that one of my favorite tongue twisters in Spanish, I like it just because I like doing the R's in Spanish. I love the rolling the R thing. So it's R con R cigarro so constantly just honestly, just using the R's. I forget what it complete like what it actually means. um I knew it like at the time when I first learned it. as you can tell, I couldn't even finish the tongue twister itself anymore. it's it's been a couple of years, but I just remember learning it, and I was really into that um because it was fun. So I would say that's my favorite Spanish phrase. And then for French. I don't know. I think I just say way a lot. It's like, so way is like the informal version of saying we, oui, yes. So it's like saying yeah. So I say that all the time. I'm always just like way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it just comes like out so much in my conversations in French. So I'm going to say that's my favorite French word probably. That and like donk. I don't know why. I learned donk really early on. It means thus. And, you know, in English, I would never say thus. But for some reason, in French, it happens so often. it It's just, it's always there. It's just in my conversation. So I'm guessing that that's my favorite French word because it just, I don't even try to say it. And it just happens there. I guess it's a filler word for me at this point. Um, Yeah. And I don't, I don't know enough Chinese to know a uh, favorite Chinese word. I think right now my favorite word is the word for I, like, whoa, just because I think that's the only word that I know that I'm pronouncing it correctly.
0: Thank you so much, Naya, for being on here. Please let the people know where they can find you, reach you, if they want to say hey. Yes, absolutely.
1: So during the pandemic, I decided to start a language-related or study-related Instagram account. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's language.studygram underscore. So I post tips and tricks. I post about my language journey. I post about school life. I answer questions and things like that. So anything you want to know about languages or studying, I'm there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Insecurities About Language podcast. Please make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow the podcast on Instagram at Insecurities About Language. And say hi.